0: Everyone had a great weekend and we are back at it for a full week of Pew Report podcast starting with today on Monday as we will give our final thoughts, reactions, overall views of what we saw last week at Mini minicamp. Kind of rounding everything together, putting a bow on what was a very fun week of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football before we head into the summer before training camp gets here. So we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm your host, Matt Matera, and with me is my co-host at PeterReport.com. It is Scott Reynolds. Scott, how was your weekend? How are you doing? And I don't know Great. about you, but I think this is going to be the best podcast yet.
1: I think you're right, Matt. I think I think this will end up being probably the best Peter Report podcast of all time. So for you, uh, Buck fans out there that are tuning in and listening, uh, welcome. And uh, buckle up. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be, I feel like, the greatness is upon us. You're going to have about an hour's worth of awesome Bucks content here. So, um, before we start with the Buccaneers, let's congratulate the Tampa Bay Lightning on uh, on winning the the East again. That was a fantastic endeavor. Uh, your captain, my captain, Steve Stamkos, was a hero. Two goals in the, the night, especially uh, with uh, with Andre Vasilevsky finally proving to be the best goalie in the series. And four straight wins for the boys in blue. So that was pretty exciting. On to the avalanche Wednesday night. So that was I'm exciting.
0: So, I'm so excited for that series. But, yeah, the way that the Bolts were able to win four in a row. Like, you know, they were on the ropes at one point. That yeah. game three that I was at, they were down 2 nothing, And while Vassie was playing well, the Rangers goaltender, Igor, was was playing just as good. And then the Bucs just uh, – the box the Bolts just turned it on yeah. And, you know, there was no stopping them after that. And, yeah, that game six, Vassy was unbelievable, stood on his head. And then even when the Rangers tied it up, the Bolts <laughs> scored, what, 21 seconds later? And yeah. that goal was crazy, too. Coots an all answer. the way over to Stamkos. Yeah. And it looked like goaltender interference for a second. But then the replay was like, nah, they're good. Like, let's go. So,
2: yes. so
0: pumped. So pumped for the Bolts. And I think it's going to be a great series against Colorado. We, we obviously know the Bolts are going for – three in a row and the abs are the team that everyone's picked for the last couple of years. And it looks like they're finally putting it together, but I got the bolts in six. I think they take the first game on the road because the abs are a little bit uh, too rested. Kind of like what happened to the bolts against the Rangers in that first game. And then I just think after that, they take one on the road and then they take care of business at home and they win in six.
1: Yeah. When you look at the avalanche, they score a lot of points. They also give up a lot of of goals, right? So I, I think that, that the lightning has the better defense. And as we know, Matt defense wins championships. So that's right. I, I think that the bolts will have enough firepower to put some pucks in the, in the net to win some games, but I think it's going to come down to the defense and not just the defenseman, but the way the forwards play defense, blocking shots, Stamkos, Sorelli, um, even Kucherov, right? I mean, he, he doesn't typically give his body up, you know, to block the puck, but he's very good at stealing the puck. So, I I think this is going to be pretty fun. And there's a lot of Buccaneer fans uh, over there. I should say Bolts fans over there at One Buck Place at the Evan Hill Training Center. Uh, As we mentioned before, Cameron Brait, Bucks tight end, is often seen wearing an Alex Kaloran jersey. That's because both those guys went to Harvard at the same time. Shaq Barrett, there might not be a bigger Bolts fan over there (laughs) than Shaq Barrett, who's always wearing his jersey that he received from the Lightning. It's number 58. And he's been over there... Um, pressing the button to initiate the the lightning bolts, the Tesla coils. So there's going to be a lot of, of Buccaneers backing the boys in blue, the bolts, as they take on the avalanche. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, we had a chance to, to talk to Tom Brady on Thursday, and we talked a little bit about that on the podcast last uh, Thursday, Matt. But the interesting thing is, is, Tom Brady has has had a couple of pregame messages they have put up on the screen at Amalie Arena, encouraging the Bolts to to uh, you know do you know do their thing, go and win. <laughs> but you have to wonder, like, is is his allegiance still with the Boston Bruins because of all the years that he spent up there in the, the New England area? Probably so. But I know the Bolts would love to see Tom Brady in house. Maybe that'll happen during one of these Stanley Cup games.
0: That would be awesome. I don't I don't know what his schedule was like. Obviously, he's a very busy man. I do know another Bucks quarterback was at the game uh when they clinched it to win the Eastern Conference Finals. That was Kyle Trask.
2: He yeah, was at uh, right. he
0: was at the Bolts game. And we're going to talk a little bit about Kyle Trask. We're going to cuz I thought he was one of the better performers in terms of just what our expectations were for Kyle Trask yeah. going um, you know, into mini camp here and obviously he was going to get a, a lot of looks. I think, Scott, as we transition to, you know, Bucks minicamp, that's why we're here. I think there were a lot of guys that stood out. Uh, I don't know if we want to call them most impressive or MVPs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, during the season, we have our most impressive, most disappointing. We're not going to do most disappointing, maybe one or two guys, if you feel that there is someone. But overall, right. I-, I thought, and we'll spend the whole episode on this, but I just overall thought that the tempo was good. I think Todd Bowles was very pleased. With just, he talks a lot about the the players retaining information, the players yeah, learning from their mistakes if they make one. Uh, he felt that their second practice was even better than their first practice, and that's all you really want is to right. get better each day in and, and day out. And that third practice, even though not too much went on, Ryan Jensen caught a punt, <laughs> so that's pretty cool too. So yes. something to build on for every single day.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know what else is cool too is the fact that uh this podcast, as all of the Peter Report podcasts, are fueled and energized by Celsius. Matt, I was I was uh let's see, which one was I rocking this morning? The orange. I had the orange,
0: almost like orange juice. Ah,
1: Tastes so oh good. You, were, you had the, the peach vibe today. And and folks, let me tell you, um, the fruit flavors are absolutely outstanding. That's that's what makes celsius is so great it's it's a great tasting energy drink and uh, but it's not just the taste it is the seven essential vitamins that you'll get in each can and the fact that celsius has no preservatives or artificial flavors or colors that's going to make you feel good and even better no sugar that means you get all the energy without the sugar crash this is the energy to live fit folks this is what you need the essential energy uh Celsius comes in, in a host of flavors, and if you don't like fruit flavors, right? Mm-hmm. If if that's something that's preventing you from trying Celsius, uh, maybe you are a cola drinker. Well, the good news, Matt, is they have a cola flavored Celsius that is absolutely phenomenal. And maybe if you're not the sweet kind of guy, they have the sparkling. Cucumber Lime Celsius, which is also fantastic. It's definitely not sweet. It's not tart, though. It's, it's just a great, solid flavor. So those are a couple of, of other choices that you can get. And where do you find Celsius? Well, go to Celsius.com or click on the Peter Report banners um, on the Celsius banners on PeterReport.com. And you can click on the store locator once you get to Celsius.com. Put in your address, all the different locations, health and, and fitness stores, grocery stores, Convenience stores that sell Celsius near you, then grab a couple cans, try them, see which ones you like the best, and then order them on Amazon, buy them in bulk, do the subscribe and save, they'll ship them right to your door, you save some money, and, and you can also get the variety pack too on Amazon. So if you're not quite sure which which Celsius flavor, get that that variety pack and find the flavors that you like and then continue to order on Amazon and click that subscribe and save and save a lot of money. Make sure you check out Celsius. We love Celsius,
0: and I'm willing to bet that you will, too. want to thank everyone that's watching the show right now, the Pewter people. Just a Mm -hmm. reminder that in 10 minutes at 420, we will be doing Roll Call. Where are you at, Pewter people? We want to know where you're watching the show from because we have so many awesome fans that we don't have just fans that are watching in Tampa they're watching across the state of Florida, across yes. the United States, out on the West Coast. I know we've got some people watching from California. we got people out of the country, too. I know. Germany. I, be, I believe Finland was the uh, the big place that we yeah. saw uh, last Monday when you
1: we were doing the show. Brazil, so trying- England. Yeah. Got them all over.
0: Yeah. It's uh, international, Bucks fans. We absolutely love it. And so we want you guys to tell us in the chats where you are watching from. We'll be doing that again in 10 minutes at four twenty. For Roll Call, tell us where you're watching and we will put it up on the screen as we uh, go along the show. Just as a, a little thank you to everyone that is watching and we really appreciate your support. Scott, I think as we look at Bucks minicamp, let's start with the big man. Let's start with Tom Brady. It looked like Tom Brady has not missed a step at all whatsoever. No. And I think it's important too because Tom came back and we know he's very busy offseason everything that he did but he came back and we know the weapons he's going to be throwing to yeah mike evans chris godwin russell gage hopefully rob gronkowski is back if, if he decides to keep playing it's only going to be tampa or he's going to stay retired but going into this Bucks minicamp godwin's still injured russell gage is i don't want to call injured but he's hurt and not practicing right, right now and Gronk is still retired so of the four top options for the Bucks at receiver and tight end only Mike Evans was there that he was throwing to so that means That's he, had to build, he had to build chemistry with Jalen Darden Scotty Miller was injured but you know got to work with some of the running backs as well with Leonard Fournette there and, and Rashad White but Brady was working with players that I'm sure he's had reps with in the past but clearly yeah. not compared to all the other players that we mentioned or what he's trying to get with Russell Gage right. but nonetheless Brady, very few incompletions. Even when there were incompletions, some of them were drops. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was business as yeah. usual. As usual, when it came to tv twelve, it really
1: was Matt. And and I think the 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 good news for the Buccaneers is they've got I think sixty seven wide receivers on this roster. <laughs> I, I think that's the number at last count. Yeah. Uh, folks, they have a slew of wide receivers battling for essentially three positions. Right, as you mentioned, Matt, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage are the top three. Then you're looking at, at three, maybe four more if if they just like these receivers. And, and maybe if Chris, Chris Godwin can't go, right, then you have an extra receiver up for week one or whatever. Uh, we're still a long ways in determining whether Chris Godwin will be able to play or not in week one. But what I will say is this was a great opportunity for a lot of these young players just to get more reps. Just to yes. use the, the preseason, the, the uh, OTAs, the mini camp to get as many reps as possible. And some of these guys, you know, we did see at the end Jareth Stearns, the undrafted rookie free agent, he was out with an injury. Scotty Miller was out with an injury. But for guys like Cyril Grayson, for uh, Devin Tompkins, for, um, you know, some of the newcomers, uh, Kalen Geiger from Texas Tech, you know, he made a couple of good plays in that very last. Uh, mini camp that we saw, I should say, the full the last full mini camp we saw yeah. on Wednesday that practice. So there, there was some some you know guys that that really I think took advantage of those extra reps and got more work in, and that's going to be beneficial to them heading into training camp. You mentioned how Tom Brady picked up where he left off, and I think that's a very accurate statement, Matt. One thing too that Todd Bowles said is at his final press conference is we're going to pick up where we left off from the mini camp. They're not going to spend the first week of training camp going back over and reinstalling things, right? It's going to be, you know, you better have studied your playbook during this this uh, off season here, during this vacation, and you better be ready to go because we're going to be installing new things and we're going to be, you know, picking up where where they left off from the mini camp. Sometimes you see that in in with new coaches, and Todd Bowles is not a new coach; he's been on this staff for three years. But, Matt, you've seen it here in Tampa and elsewhere where a new coach comes in installing new schemes, you know, new new systems, new playbooks. And they'll have to spend that first week or 10 days in training camp kind of going over all the basics and all of the, the installs again just so they can retain it. But since this is a veteran group, you know, Todd Bowles is full steam ahead.
0: Right, exactly. I was going to say all systems go. All right. There's none of that easing into the system type of period Todd Bowles has been here for multiple seasons everyone on this team has been here for multiple seasons the only people that's there's only going to be a bit of a transition type of process is going to be the rookies who are just learning the playbook and players such as Akeem Hicks who just got signed a week ago and Russell Gage who's still relatively new to the team now Russell Gage obviously has a little bit more time since he signed back in March, I'm sure he was given the playbook right. not too long after that from Byron Leftwich. but yeah, there's going to be no, nothing should be slowed down for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Unless yeah. Todd Bowles comes up with a new exotic blitz, which I wouldn't put it past them because, right. you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have Vita Bay or Akeem Hicks playing safety. I wouldn't rule anything out <laughs> with Todd Bowles. It probably hopefully, would not.
1: Hopefully in goal line situations, the way yeah. they don't want a lot of <laughs> ground to cover, but if it's goal line, you want these guys up front anyway. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. But that's as you said, Todd Bowles mentioned that at the end of practice. If some players uh you saw uh, there's a video of Todd Bowles breaking everything down after the uh the Ryan Jensen's Jensen infamous uh punt catch, or I was gonna say return, but he really just caught it. He didn't really uh he didn't really go and uh run down the field with it. I think that's important. This is a veteran team. Tom Brady's talked about it too, where this is the best opportunity that this team has had. Mind you, they've already won a Super Bowl and won their division last year. Right. This is the best opportunity that they've had as a team because there's no more excuses of getting to know you. That's right. Uh, you know, they, they finally have OTEs and minicamps. Remember, they didn't right. have that over the last two years because of the pandemic and everything. This Bucks team, with an offense that was second in points per game, averaging mm-hmm. 29.9 points per game, can still be even better. And that's with Antonio Brown no longer there, with yeah. Gronk. Hopefully he's back. Um, it, the sky's a limit with this team. I think, without question, especially on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see too, right? If forty-four-year-old Tom Brady, who has been known in the past during the off season to uh, gather the troops, uh, especially his receivers, for a little off season work, even while he's on vacation, mm-hmm. uh, there's you know reports uh, back when when he was with the Patriots that they would gather up there at his Montana home. For a couple of days of throwing sessions up there, uh, I think he's he's got a, a Yellowstone type of vibe up there. With <laughs> plenty of wide open spaces to throw to, you know, you know, uh, you know, go out to the buffalo and then you know, hang a left right. and I'll throw a deep post, <laughs> right? So i would be interesting to see if if he does that uh, on vacation or if he tries to get with these guys in Tampa and especially like you mentioned. A player like Russell Gage, who Tom Brady even didn't really call out, but he kind of sounded the alarm bells a little bit and basically said, listen, Russell Gage has not really stepped foot on this practice field outside of catching some passes in, in pre-game or pre-practice warm-ups from me. And so I, I, that's, that's a player that is going to have to understand the route concepts here. Bruce Arians' passing game is complex in the fact that there's choice routes, there's option routes where... The quarterback and the wide receivers got to be on the same page. They got to be able to read the defense one or two steps off of the line of scrimmage, right? When they're into their route, they got to understand, is it zone? And if so, they got to maybe, you know, cut the route off and and sink down and find a a hole in the zone. If it's man coverage, then they're going to have to, you know, to to zoom and try to beat their guy in one-on-one coverage and present themselves as a target for Tom Brady. So, Russell Gage, that's going to be the big thing for him, especially if Chris Godwin can't go in week one because then you're going to be seeing a lot of Russell Gage and obviously a lot of Mike Evans and whoever else is going to be on the field. But you can't afford to have those mistakes where Gage and Brady aren't reading the the defense the same way at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that before, how that was huge for the Bucks early in the season when, when Brady got to Tampa where the miscommunication wasn't there because of the lack of reps that they weren't able to get. We played this video on Thursday show, but we'll play it again for if anyone missed it. Here's Tom Brady talking about the addition of Russell Gage.
2: A lot of work. He has to have a big year. You know, we signed him to a contract, and he's got to come in and do a great job. And he's, uh, from the time I spent with them. you know, I really enjoy it. And I think he's got a great opportunity. You know, that is a very important role for an offense that throws the ball as much as we do. Um, we have very favorable passing conditions. Um, you know, you need a lot of good receivers, and we have depth at receiver, and obviously Mike's a great player. Chris is coming off a pretty significant injury, um, so Russell's got to do a great job, and Scotty and BP and Cyril and uh, Jalen, all the guys that Tyler, those guys who have had experience in play, they have to do a great job too, so it's a it's a very competitive room, and I think Russ, when he's out there, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to go into over the next six weeks to be ready, so that... You know, we're challenged right out of the box this year. So we got really good teams. We got to have a great training camp. We got to, you know, we know when training camp is. It's the 23rd of July. You know, we know we got six weeks of training camp, but I I feel like it starts, you know, obviously the season's already started. You're competing every day out there and you're either getting better or or you're getting worse and you're, you're not going out there just to break a sweat. You're going out there to get things done. And I think this should be, you know, in my opinion, our best opportunity to play our best football because we've been together the longest. And why shouldn't it be? We know each other. Um, you know, we know the scheme. We've you know we've th- been through a lot of challenging circumstances and games. And now we got to go out there and execute it as as well as we possibly can.
0: Tom Brady has a great memory, <laughs> like he just does. rattling off everyone's name. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> he also broke some news saying the training camp started on July twenty starts on July twenty third. We really haven't been able to confirm that yet if that's the actual start date of training camp. Usually it's the last week of July, and technic- technically that is because the last weekend of July is is the 30th, the 30th of July is is a Saturday, the 31st is a Sunday. Keep in mind the quarterbacks report a week early. That's what they call quarterback school. So maybe in Tom Brady's mind that's the day where quarterback school begins for the Buccaneers. Uh, so we're still trying to confirm exactly when training camp will start. But Matt, this is the start of roll call. Roll call. Where are you at, pewter people? So I'm going to tell you about some news that happened today over at uh, One Buck Place. And while I do that and entertain you all with that, Matt is going to be putting up the locations from where you're at. Where are you watching the show from? We want to just hear the city, the state, the country, wherever you're from. <laughs> we're going to be, uh, uh, doing that for probably the next minute or two. So go ahead and, and uh, get those up in the chat. Uh, there was some news today uh, out there at uh, the Advent Health Training Center, and there were some promotions to be had, which was really cool to see. Mike Beal, well, that's not Mike Beal. There's Mike Beal. Mike Beal is to the left. There is John Spytek in the middle, and Jason Light, the general manager, to the right. SpyTech was promoted from director of player personnel last year to the vice president of player personnel. And Mike Beal was the longtime director of college scouting. He's played an instrumental role in helping Jason Light and SpyTech with these drafts, setting up the draft boards, managing all of the scouts, and uh, and obviously it has a huge role in helping uh, the Buccaneers draft these players, putting the scouting reports out there, etc. So Mike Beal And this fellow right here, and I apologize, we don't have a great picture, but that's Rob McCartney to the left and Beal with the beard there uh, to the right, both those guys in pewter hats. McCartney was also named a director of player personnel. So with John Spitek's elevation last year to vice president of player personnel, he was the director. That kind of creates an opening. And Rob McCartney was the longtime director of pro personnel. So basically, you had Spy Tech running the college scouts. You had uh, McCartney running the pro scouts, where that is, that's free agency. That's that's scouting uh, the, all of the teams that are out there that have free agents, in addition to the, uh, you know, I was going to say Arena Football League, that's no more, but uh, the Canadian Football League, the, the, uh, uh, USFL now that's going on. So anything that has to do with with pro, not college, that's McCartney's gig. So both of these guys got promoted to the director of player personnel. So they received a nice little promotion. There were a couple other promotions. Uh, Jackie Davidson, who uh, is working with Mike Greenberg and Jason Light in terms of salary cap management. She was promoted. Her title before was the Director of Football Research. Now she is the senior role, I'm sorry, the senior director of football research. Spencer Dial received a similar promotion. He went from the director of football technology to the senior director of football technology. Longtime scout Byron Kiefer was named assistant director of college scouting. So that's a big promotion from him. He's going to essentially be right uh, the right-hand man of Mike Beal in that college scouting department. Tony Hardy was elevated to the role of national scout Peyton Roth is the new scouting coordinator. Shannon uh, Hugh is the new scouting analyst. Antoine Murray, Tampa Bay's new national scout, while Zach Smith is the new NFS scout. Cesar Rivera and Brian McLaughlin are the new Bucks college scouts. Additionally, the Bucks hired Mark Ellens as a college scout and Emmett Clifford and Corey Finney as scouting assistants. So plenty of news over there. At uh, at the front office of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers today, we appreciate everybody who chimed in with their locations. Uh, I saw I saw a lot of international folks. I also saw a lot of uh, people from outside of Florida, which is cool because this Buccaneer fan base has really grown. Not just with the arrival of Tom Brady and and the um, the success uh, that the, came with it, yeah, and the Super Bowl championship. But I think this Buccaneer fan base has been growing for some time. It really has. And a lot of people vacation in Florida. That's how I first started following the Buccaneers. Growing up in Kansas City, the Chiefs were my team. And before you call me a traitor or whatever, you know, uh, I, I, you know, was was a young kid and then a college age uh, kid that that grew up in Overland Park, Kansas, outside of Kansas City, was a Chiefs fan. And the Chiefs team that I watched, and I have probably shared this with you guys before, had Kevin Ross at cornerback. Todd McNair at running back. Bruce Arians was the running backs coach. Tony Dungy was the defensive backs coach. And then Herm Edwards replaced Dungy as the defensive backs coach. So a lot of Buccaneer connections on that particular team uh, in yeah. Kansas City that ended up coming down here, you know, decades later, just like me. And so uh, that's that's kind of how I started. Uh, I started following the Buccaneers. I got a subscription to Buccaneer Magazine because my parents would always have us vacation to visit my grandfather in St. Petersburg, over there by, by Madeira Beach, John's Pass, et cetera. So we were down here in August trying to read and find the box scores. There's no internet back in the 90s, yeah. right? So you had to find the box scores for the Chiefs preseason games. And so we just started kind of reading about these laughable losers in orange and white, you know, with these garish pirate uniforms, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it kind of became my NFC team. So I know there's a lot of of Buck fans out there that whether you're stationed at McDill and you kind of latched onto the team here or whether you vacation, I uh, know a lot of uh, fans from the UK and Germany vacation in Florida and have adopted the Buccaneers as their, their NFL team. So that's pretty cool. So it's great to see that. We do roll call every Monday, folks, at 420. So make sure if you're watching this podcast version rather than the live version, Jump on board with us on Monday and tell us where you're from.
0: Yes, please do. And again, appreciate everyone that uh, participated in this. Saw Kingston, Jamaica, in there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So, Iceland. Someone... Yeah, Iceland. I saw somewhere in Massachusetts where they're having the U.S. Open this week, the the big uh, major in golf. So, yeah. shout out to uh, that person as well too. So, thanks to everyone for putting your place uh, in the comments and just a reminder for, cause I see some people at times they'll put their roll call in the comments after like when the show was done, they'll put yeah. a, a comment there. Appreciate you guys doing that, yeah, but make sure cool you too. put it in the chat. Uh, yeah. Unless if you're not watching live, let us know that too. Yeah, but um for sure. Yeah, put we, it put we, in the chat. If you can do We
1: that. love you, Peter people. We love that you're from all over and certainly here in, in the Tampa Bay area as well. Uh Shaw- I went to Shawnee Mission South high school. There's a bunch of directional schools, South, North, East, West, and Northwest. And, uh, the, the, well, yes, our our mascot was the the Raiders. However, for whatever reason, it was the Revolutionary Raiders, not like the Oakland Raiders. So we had like this Revolutionary horse. I mean, Kansas wasn't even, you know, part of the American Revolution back then. We were like a, a territory. So I don't know why we chose that version of the Raiders, but it's like a like a like a uh, you know um, a Minuteman or something on a on a horse yeah. with a musket. So I don't know, but yeah, that's that's uh I oh, actually went to high school with Rob Riggle. He was probably the most famous uh, graduate from Shawnee Mission South. He was, I think, a year older than me.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. There you go. Little little fun fact for everyone watching the show here. Scott, we already talked about Tom Brady, but I think if we're going to stick with – I want to go offensive defense because we'll save the best for last. We know you're yep. a defensive guy. Um, before we move to running backs and wide receivers and tight ends, I do want to say I thought Kyle Trask performed – Fairly well for the yeah. role that he had. Now, obviously, Brady got the lion's share of the reps. Then him and your boy, Blaine Gabbert. Yep. It was, I don't know if it was necessarily 50-50, but it was close enough where it didn't seem like that there was a disparagement in the number of reps that each right. guy got. And we talked about this before on the podcast. And we all love Blaine. We know what we're getting with Blaine, all right? He he was this, the same old Blaine that yep. I, I think we're used to. When it when it gets to this point uh, in the off with these practices, didn't take too many shots. Usually dumped it off, um, especially in OTAs when Brady wasn't here. It was the Blaine and Camp rate show. <laughs> that that was nonstop. Um, <laughs>
1: it was almost grotesque. Yeah,
0: tra- transitioned was. over to Bucks to to mini camp. Now yeah. Camp Rate was more with Tom Brady, obviously as, as right. the number one starter. So we we know what we got with Blaine, but I really thought with Kyle Trask. There was the big discussion between you and I before we got to Bucks mini camp of how can you go about trying to see what you can get away with in terms of, all right, I'm going to throw a pass into this tight window. How many times can I do this before I know, like, okay, in a game, don't make this type of throw? Like on this right. route, I can make this throw. On this route, I can't go and do that. I thought Trask really did a great job of towing yeah. the line between. Trying to push the envelope and if you make a mistake, that's okay because you're still learning, but also not egregiously overdoing it to the point where the coaches would be like, all right, Kyle Trask is making all of these mistakes here. Yes. Um, you know, there's no way we would trust him putting in a putting him into a right. game like if it's that situation. I think Trask took the it wasn't a huge step, but it was a step forward in terms of okay, we start to see a little something here with this guy. Not saying he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Right, right. But I feel more comfortable with Kyle Trask after OTAs and minicamp than I did before the practices began.
1: I agree. I totally agree with you, Matt. And, and I think that it was important for Kyle Trask to not look like a rookie again. Yes. Right? And, and he didn't. We didn't see the same mistakes. Matter of fact, we didn't see many mistakes from him at all as the offseason progressed. Now, we only got to see three out of the nine OTAs. That's one per week. And, and then we got to see him throw for all three days of the, the minicamp. So we got to see Kyle Trask throw the ball six practices and really split the reps 50-50 with he and Blaine Gabbard for, for the first three. And then it was a, kind of a three-way split with Gabbert and Brady over the last three minicamp practices. But yes, I was pleased with the fact that he looked very competent. I think that's how I would describe it. Not flashy not spectacular but not bad and uh, and certainly looked a lot more veteran than than he did last year for sure. and you saw the grasp of the offense, you saw the the accuracy, you saw him take some chances and, and really push the ball down the field and and hit on a lot of those those throws too. And so I, I was very encouraged by, by what I saw from Kyle Trask and I, I do think, that that i'm i'm you know i'd love to fast forward to uh, you know i always get this way especially i'm a little i'm a little jaded this is almost i three understand. De- almost three decades for me right so it's like i'm anxious for the first day of training camp i mean not really i want some vacation time first but, but when we get the training camp matt the first day it's basically the first couple of days several days is just like benny camp it's there's no pads on they have that kind of warm up into training camp situation so You're excited for the first day. Then you want to fast forward to the first day in pads. Then once I see the first day in pads, fast forward to the preseason games. Like Let's just skip over camp. Let's just get right to it. Let's have the games, fire the cannons at Ray J, blah, blah, blah. And then once the first preseason game, I'm like, fast forward to the regular season. Let's get it going. Right. I've seen enough of training camp and all those practices in my career. Having said that, when you have a young developmental quarterback, that kind of changes everything. Because there's only three preseason games now instead of four. And where where that hurts teams is when you have a developmental quarterback. Because you'd love for Kyle Trask to have two or three more quarters worth of action in the month of August. And he's just going to be robbed of that because of that. So maybe you only give um, you know Brady the, the bare minimum of what he needs. And then you give Blaine Gabbert maybe less time this year year than he had last year so maybe you can still get Kyle Trask maybe 40% of the reps I'd love to see that and don't give Ryan Griffin any I love you Griff but you don't need any and you're going to be the fourth string quarterback this year so I do want to see Kyle Trask not just in training camp when the pads come on it's a little bit more live but also in these preseason games because he ended on a high note against the Texans had two kind of awful games to start and that's understandable he was a rookie but, yeah, I, I want to see Kyle Trask. I, I was impressed with what I saw.
0: And you know Brady's going to lobby to play a little bit uh, in, in the preseason. I, yeah. I think he played, like, what, one series that first preseason game, and then yep. he got close to getting sacked, and everyone was mm-hmm. like, all right, like he's done. I think what's really important with Kyle Trask is the timeliness or the re- the quick release of making sure he, he gets rid of the ball. Yep. That's something that we've all looked for in Bucs quarterbacks probably for the last 4 years and right. we've seen the the transition there. I remember there was one play in mini camp where I thought Kyle Trask held onto the ball mm-hmm. a little bit too long. Yeah. But one time out of like all the reps that they right. had over 3 days of practice you can live with that. So right. I and ex- exactly that's the next step is obviously the the timing, the precision yeah. and everything we just talked about but making sure you get rid of the ball in, in training camp. Right. In these training camps against the Dolphins and the Titans, we're going to have joint practices, which obviously is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, to do it in the preseason as well, too. Yeah. He took the first step forward a little bit, but now it's time to take that next one in training camp, in these practices, and in the preseason. But so far, I, so good for Kyle Trask.
1: I agree. And and it's different, right? Because in practice, Matt, there's, like, there was a play, for example, where where uh, Blaine Gabbert made a, a, a great throw for a touchdown. Right, and, and one yes. of those practices it escapes me. Which one it was, but at, at the same time, you're like, well, he would have been sacked on that play, right? Like he, yeah. they didn't blow the whistle, right? Sometimes they they let they let the play kind of continue, right? I mean, it still kind of counts as a sack, but they still want since the receivers are down there, right? See if the quarterback can make the throw, right? Because if you blow everything dead, if you if you don't let the play continue, if you count those as sacks then you're robbing the defensive backs a chance of getting better hands, right? And and making interceptions or breaking the passes. So they they let the plays go a little bit. Well, that doesn't happen in the preseason, right? So you you don't have that extended time sometimes to find those receivers because you're getting hit and you're getting sacked if you hold on to the ball. So that's one thing that the Clyde Christensen really worked with with Kyle Trask on last year in that redshirt season was – was quickening up his release and quickening up his, his pacing in the pocket and his, his pocket mobility, where Tom Brady has been exceptional and he doesn't get enough credit for it. It's not his mobility, not his scrambling ability. The guy can't really run, yeah. uh, although he did have a couple of beauties last year uh, against the Giants, the Bills, et cetera. But where he really excels is just shuffling and sidestepping in that pocket And in creating half a second so he can allow that receiver to get a break where he can find that passing lane to throw the ball and get rid of it. So that's really where Kyle Trask worked a lot on the footwork, the quick feet, the quick hands, the quick release. And I'm anxious to see that uh, not just in training camp and the joint practices that you you mentioned, Matt, but in those games when he is going to take hits and get sacked, et cetera.
0: Yeah, because there's so much practice that you can do, but until you're in a game, it's still tough to mimic all the things that happen in a game, including like running away from, you know, an edge rusher that that beats the tackle and and is coming after you. It's funny you mentioned everything with Brady and getting rid of the ball and like when he scrambles. When he does scramble, it's almost like watching, you know, a high-speed chase between uh, like the police and a getaway car, not in the fact of the amount of speed that Tom Brady has, but just in the fact of like, Oh my God, he's going like, what's going to happen next? What's right. going to happen next? Yep. So I thought, uh, yeah, anytime Brady does that, it's, it's always entertaining. Yeah. Well, Harvinder here with uh, mm-hmm. a chat comment here says anything in minicamp that surprised you. So I actually wanted to transition from talking to the quarterbacks. Scott, the running back position, I don't feel like we have to spend too much time on. We talked a right. lot about Leonard Fournette. He needs to get back into shape. He dropped a couple of passes and warmups. He mm-hmm. was fine. He was fine, like during eleven on elevens and things like that. He yeah. didn't do anything that was like shocking, in either a good or a bad way. Rashad White missed the. Uh, he had an excuse absence the first day of mini camp. Second Correct. day mini camp again. He was good. You saw the flashes that we like about him, where yeah. he could change directions, and he just looks like a smooth runner. And Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn. I think we know what we're getting with them. So unless you have something that really stood stood out to you at the running well, back position. For me, it's the wide receivers where it really gets cooking.
1: Really yeah, I mean, game. I thought the biggest surprise was Leonard Fournette showing up so big. I, th- yeah. I think that was really it. And and I, again, I'm I'm not too concerned. I thought that that the his first day that he showed up there on Tuesday, really heavy. That was um, probably a, a good thing because it, you know, he was gassed and yeah. and it really really showed him that uh, he really needs to drop some pounds and get in shape. So I, I expect. The veteran Leonard Fournette to do that and come to camp um, much trimmer. If he can get down to say 235 by the time camp rolls around, and then use the six weeks of camp to kind of whittle that down and, and get it down to to 230, I think that uh, that he'll be he'll be rocking and rolling at that time. Another good question here from Josh: Who has the better rookie season, Logan Hall? Devonte White or Jordan Davis, those are the first three defensive tackles taken off the board. And you know that, that's that's a great question. I'm just not sure, I, you know I, I've got such tunnel vision on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Matt, that mm-hmm. that uh, when it comes time for the Buccaneers to play their opponents, that's really where I kind of dig in and uh, you know and and uh, uh, dive into their rosters in all of that. So obviously Devontae Wyatt is going to go to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I I'm, i don't even know what what their depth chart looks like, to be honest, because they just haven't done the work yet. So I don't want to talk at a turn and necessarily say, um, you know, what he's going to do, or if he's going to end up winning a starting job right out of the gate or whatever. Um, I can speak to, to Logan Hall though. And it's interesting because there's been so many, um people, whether it's Warren Sapp, Todd Bowles, um Will Golston, Golston right here, <laughs> here on the on the podcast that uh that have just praised him. And and then you had Logan Hall also come out and say that he wants his goal. I asked him on Thursday what his goal was as a rookie in terms of sacks, and he said six. And that's 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 a little lofty, and I'll I'll tell you why, because Even Warren Sapp had only three sacks. We're talking about a Hall of Famer in his rookie season, only have three sacks. Gerald McCoy, first-round pick, top-five pick for the Buccaneers. I think he was the third overall pick behind and Sue back in 2010. Matt, how many sacks he had as a rookie? Three. How about the other first-round draft pick of the Buccaneers? Vita Vea, 12th overall, 2018 draft. How many sacks Vita Vea had as a rookie? Three, All right? So you've got Sapp, McCoy, and Vea. All three first-round picks had three sacks their rookie season. He wants to come in, and he says, I'd like to get six. Well, six is the number that a, a veteran in Dominican Sue had at each of the back-to-back seasons his last two years in Tampa. So I'm not saying he can't do it. The all-time sack record for Buccaneer rookies was Santana Dotson, a fifth-round pick out of Baylor in 1992. He had 10. And as a matter of fact, that was the most sack Santana Dotson had in his entire NFL career. The most sacks he had since that rookie season was six up in Green Bay. So six sacks would be a lot. If they got six sacks from Logan Hall as a rookie, I think that would be phenomenal. So I'm just not sure what Jordan Davis is going to do in Philadelphia. I'm not sure what Devontae Wyatt's going to do in Green Bay. But if Logan Hall gets six sacks in Tampa, I gotta think he and the Buccaneers would be very happy.
0: I think the Bucks would be ecstatic over that. By the way, side note: Santana is a great name uh, for yes. a football player. Yeah, it is. Yeah, him and Santana Moss is instantly yep. thinking that. But for yeah, for Logan Hall, he's been. I don't know like what the overall expectations were for him. You know, mm-hmm. heading into this training camp. But again, after talking to Will Golston and all of the coaches and everything we've heard from players. On both sides of the ball, too. It's not just the defensive line that's playing with him every day or the offensive linemen that are trying to block him before pads are even on. It's like everyone all over the place are, ta- are talking about Logan Hall. So I think his expectations grew without him even yeah. really. Not that he did nothing here at these, you know, Bucks OTAs and mini camps, but he hasn't been able to show what he can do right. because the pads haven't come on yet. That's something that he really talked about when we spoke with him. Uh, last Thursday after yeah. Tom Brady was up at the podium. So yeah. I think that would be, you know, through the roof for Logan Hall. And do I think he's capable of it? Sure. I mean, we saw with Joe Tryon Shoyanka mm-hmm. that he could have got six sacks if he didn't whiff on a couple. So right. I think <laughs> the Bucks have seen, especially with the way that they draft, that they can get impact guys right away. The only reason I would say maybe he doesn't is just for the fact that, you know, with Akeem Hicks here, and we've spoken a lot about how, You know, Hicks isn't really replacing Sue. It's Logan Hall that's replacing Sue. Right. Nonetheless, I still believe that there's going to be some type of rotation where maybe Hall doesn't get the majority of the snaps until a couple of weeks into the season. So that could limit him because, yeah, obviously you have to be on the field in order to uh, get after the quarterback. But, I mean, with all the praise everyone's having, if he got to six, a lot of people are going to be saying, I told you so.
1: That's right. Harbinger with another great question. What's the cutoff date for Gronk? By when does he have to inform the team he's playing or not? I don't know about you, but I think the Bucks will take Rob Gronkowski anytime they can get him. Ideally, they'd love to have him signed for training camp. Right? I think that's that's the that's the wish, that's the the want, that's the expectation. But if Gronk decides to maybe skip training camp, or maybe he feels like he's in good shape. He knows the offense. He's got rapport with Tom Brady and wants to continue his off season. He could sign, you know, as, as late as, as, as sometime in August and, you know, play in a preseason game or two and have like one or two weeks of training camp. And, and I think still be ready physically and mentally. I think that's a possibility I think that, that sometimes, though, you you uh, when you come in late, you open yourself up for injury. I think we saw that with, with Richard Sherman missing out on the offseason training. He comes in, plays, what, a game or two of them, gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So I think ideally they would want Gronk to come and report by training camp, but they will take Rob Gronkowski whenever they can get him. And they would love to have him at the very latest by the start of the season but uh, I, I think that, that the Bucs will have a pretty clear indication right before training camp whether Gronk is going to return or not. matter of fact, I think they already have it. I think that Gronk has given them the wink and the nod that he is <laughs> going to return because we just haven't seen this team make any moves at tight end outside of drafting KDOT in the fourth round and then Co'Keefe in the, in the sixth round. I
0: was going to say, no love for Co'Keefe? Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you make a really great point about that. You can't speed things up, especially at, at Gronk's age. Like, could he get halfway into August and come back and, and start playing? Yeah, sure. But I think we also have to remember the injury history that Gronk has had. Now, remember when he first unretired and, and came to the Bucks, he played a full season. Right. You know, he, and he I thought that was incredible. In, in it was its own, yeah. you know, accomplishment. Um, He did get hurt last year. And again, all injuries are so different. You know, he got yeah. slammed out of play yeah. and broke a lot of his ribs and, and everything like that. But, For Grant's whole career, he's had an injury history where I don't think he would be the ideal type of player to, like, you know, ramp it up as as the season gets closer. It reminds me of, and I remember someone was talking about this a while ago, but, like, Michael Strahan, Hall of Fame defensive Mm -hmm. end for the Giants, he almost didn't play that year when the Giants defeated (laughs) Tom Brady to stop the, the Patriots' undefeated season to win the Super Bowl. He was, like... 50 50 about retiring in the first place, but he's right back, but he didn't come back until like two weeks before the season. And I think if you're a defensive end, especially like Michael Strahan, who he knows what his job is. He doesn't have to do all these different complex things. He's just going to get after the quarterback. You can yeah. get away with that as, you know, as a defensive end, but as a tight end, I don't think you can do that with, you know, the, the creativity of the Bucks' offense tight end where you have to block and also go out for passes. Yeah. There's, a lot more that goes into it than, you yeah. know, in Strahan's situation. So I think it would be best for Gronk to, if he wants to play, start from the beginning because you're going to yeah. need that time to get back
1: into shape. I agree. And I think what, what was happening with Michael Strahan was he was probably thinking about retirement. He was probably, at the time, getting ready to call him uni-financial.
0: At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now.
1: You. Congratulations. You We're so happy to you. for
2: you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future.
2: How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic.
0: I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today.
1: Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. At, we got to get to Colorado. Uh,
0: it'd be great to get there on Wednesday for the uh, Lightning Avalanche game. That would
1: be yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't. We know the, the Lightning are going to Colorado. They're going to go there and, and kick some ice. Um, listen, I've got a, a big news here that I want to share with everybody. Um, I am retiring from Pewter Reports uh, in about twenty years. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm I'm. But here's the thing. I'm already making plans with the Muni Financial, folks. I'm not just a pitch man for Immuni Financial. I've got the vast majority of my financial investments in the good hands of Mark and David and their team over at Immuni Financial. That's right. I'm planning for my retirement now, and I still got about two decades worth of, of bucks coverage to come. So do what I'm doing. Make sure you call Immunity Financial because managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services retirement accounts, college savings accounts for your kids, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Folks, they can provide these financial services for you across the country. So again, do what I did. Call Immuni Financial, 1-800-868-6864 or visit Immuni.com. You got
0: some uh people upset about your faux retirement.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I am just you know, letting people know right now I'm gonna retire in about twenty years. So
0: <laughs> no, it's true though. Did it catch
1: you off guard?
0: I mean, yeah. I, I I'd like to think I know you well enough where I know when uh when I probably wouldn't a, make
1: that announcement on yeah, the Cooper report podcast without right. letting our our Peter report group chat. I'd like first. to think yeah.
0: i know like so. when you're doing a bit <laughs> <and> when, uh, <laughs> when you're a little serious. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, very, you know how to captivate the people, Scott in, there we uh, go. in more ways than one, whether it's talking about the bucks or doing a terrific ad read Scott, we're almost an hour into the show and we've pretty much only talked about quarterbacks and a little bit of, uh, skill positions. Yeah. And we haven't even gone to the defense yet. I do want to get to the defense. I do just want to give a couple of shout outs to the offense and then we can transition over sure. to the defense or if fans have other questions too, we can get into that. Yeah. I saw right here as well, too. This is one of the players I want to talk about. Uh, Blinka says "If Devin Tompkins makes the team from consistency in camps. Do you think he would get on field uh, in a regular rotation? First of all, let's just say Devin Tompkins. I think the top two wide receivers, if we're strictly talking about camp, yeah, was Jalen Darden and Devin Tompkins. We yes. talked about both. Darden, I thought, was great. Just the ways he was able to get open. We talked a lot about Scotty Miller with the grimy catches. I think right. we started seeing that from Jalen Darden. And yeah, he's still I getting agree. open down the field. The connection hasn't totally been there yet. But yeah. I think that will get ironed out by the time that week one rolls around of the regular season. So Darden making a lot of catches in different ways. Topkins, though you know, undrafted player, hadn't really heard too much about him until he got here to uh, to just the Bucs facility in general. Scott, right. of course, you had already mentioned some things about him before he even hit the field. That's why you're the best in the game at this. But I think his best way of making the team would be as a returner. That's yeah. something that you actually mentioned um, is a possibility mm-hmm. in this week's Bucs Monday mailbag. But I think what he's doing as a receiver, he's really impressive. And, you yeah, know, he doesn't yeah. have the the typical size that the Bucks are always looking for at wide receiver. But again, one, he's making the difficult catches. And I think that should already put him ahead of not to win the job. But you look at some of the other Bucks receivers and it's been a question of, all right, this guy's talented and he's athletic. But then he just doesn't make the tough catches, whether it's Tyler Johnson on crucial third downs. Jalen yeah. Darden's had his drop issues. scotty has been okay catching the ball but he just can't get healthy and be on the field Tompkins is making those catches in tight windows and he's winning on multiple different routes and he's winning in man-to-man and also in zone so I think he's really Mm -hmm. showing a lot let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because the fans haven't come on yet but Tompkins I think has a clear path to make this team as a returner and that's the first thing is to get your foot in the door by making this team making the 53-man roster and I do think he'd be a, a um practice squad guy if he doesn't make that 53-man roster. But you get yeah. your foot in, and then you do something as a receiver.
1: Yeah, 24.9 yards per kick return average at Utah State. He averaged 14.3 yards with a touchdown as a punt returner for the Aggies. So this is a player that that has that four three five speed. Now, Darden's fast too, but his is closer to 4-4-5. So we're talking about a full tick faster in Devin Tompkins. And this guy's even smaller than Jalen Darden. He is 5755 and fifty five pounds. He is electric, though. I mean, this guy's absolute electricity on the field. He was the second leading receiver in college football last year behind Jareth Stearns, who is another <laughs> undrafted free agent. So the Buccaneers ended up not drafting a receiver, but signing the top two receivers in terms of college production last year. Look at Tompkins' numbers, 102 catches, 1,704 yards. That's a healthy 16.7 yard average and 10 touchdowns. So I agree with you, man. I think that that Devin Tompkins is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And I think the other thing too is is I'm, I'm anxious to see um Kate Otten, right? I, I want to see him yes. see how fast he is, see how quick he is. Is he is he a better version of Cam or is he another Cam for this team? In other words, is does he have uh, a faster time, more athleticism, better agility than, than Cam Brait in his prime, or is he just kind of like a carbon copy steady Eddie version of Cam Braid? Not that that's a bad thing, but you'd like to have, uh, you know, a, a better athlete, I think somebody who is faster. So I agree. And, and when it comes to the offensive line, you know, we've talked about it before We're we're anxious to see uh, Luke get and, and Robert Hainsey. I think both those guys are, are really under the microscope. At left guard, can they beat out Aaron Stinney? And can Hansey be anything more than just a backup to Ryan Jensen at the center position? So I think offensively, that's kind of where things stood. Defensively, can't wait to see Logan Hall in pads. This guy's been getting so much hype, and not just from, like we've said, his his uh, you know, superiors, right? Todd Bowles, Jason Light, they're they're biased. They have a draft pick invested in them. Will Golston, who's a teammate had some glowing things to say about him, said he was more athletic than JJ Watt in his prime. Then you get a guy like Warren Sapp who comes in and I know Sapp and Sapp is, is no bullshitter when it comes to uh, telling me or anybody what, what he thinks or, or feels. And he really likes this kid. Uh, Sapp is a buccaneer, but he will shoot it to you straight. If he didn't like this kid, he would tell me he would, would say that's the case, but that's, that, you know, it, I don't know that Sap has ever really come around on Vita A, Matt. Right. So it, it's it's not like like Sap, even though he may bleed red and pewter, you know, he will, you know, give you 100% truth with what he, he feels. And Hall is one of those players that just um, I, I'm dying to see in the pads. I want to see the physicality, I want to see him move around. I want to see Akeem Hicks. You know, I'm a defensive line guy. So those two guys certainly are. Uh, players I'm going to have my eye on, we've talked about KJ Britt before, Matt, seeing him in pads in the preseason, is he fast enough to cover backs out of the backfield? Is he fast enough to run sideline to sideline and make some plays? The cornerbacks, Zion McCollum had an interception at mm-hmm. the very end uh, of you know of training camp, that was uh, thrown by Blaine Gabbard on a on a play that was kind of ruled dead as, as a sack, but but he got it. Dee Delaney, who was right there, number thirty, also had a very good off season, uh, breaking up a lot of passes, picking off a couple of others. So th- there's there's a lot to see on the defensive side. Anybody else aside from those players that I mentioned that stands out to you?
0: Yeah, I will mention a couple of players in a moment. But first, I do want to talk to you guys about Underdog Fantasy and their up to $10 million in prizes. Guys, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. You draft your team with no in-season management. You get the optimal score each week of the season, and you have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money, as I just said, with their Best Ball Mania 3 contest head to underdogfantasy.com or the app store now to sign up with the promo code pewter and underdog fantasy is going to match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Again, that's underdog fantasy and sign up with the promo code pewter and draft your best ball mania three team today. They have, I mean, last time we heard it was over 40,000 participants in it. I'm sure it's probably over 50,000 participants by now and i just like the whole set and forget it type of uh yes. situation that you get with it and the earlier that you draft a team the better because when training camp gets around here you start hearing about the potential sleepers guys that uh you know should be moving up your draft board but if you start picking your team now you'll still get those guys at even better value than you will in a month or two from now And last right. year uh one person that drafted a team in june Walked away with ten million dollars in prizes, so there is a big benefit to drafting those teams now. So again, that is underdog fantasy, and use the promo code Pewter for that deal. All right, Scott, you have, you mentioned a lot of guys. I was, um, I was really looking at it more of in terms of some of the players that stood out now, and some of the players I'm most looking forward to watching. You mentioned KJ Britt. Mm-hmm. It's all going to come down to speed with him, yeah. as you talked about. And there was one moment in otas scotty Miller had the ball that's how yeah. i know it was otas and it was a short pass so like i'm not even gonna get on kj britt's case about like oh why didn't you have the best coverage or whatever but scotty caught the ball maybe like two yards past the line of scrimmage and he was heading to his right and then he stopped and he cut back to his left and Britt yeah. was running with him one way and i thought he did a good job of shadowing Scotty Miller as much as he possibly could. Scotty obviously is one of the fastest players yeah. on this team. I really thought he did a solid job with that. Not the best, but to be able to change direction, that's what we've been looking for yeah. with KJ Britt. Um, I can't remember if you mentioned Logan Ryan or not, but Ryan, no. I thought, really put himself in a good position here in, in Buck's minicamp. Because as we've talked about, Ryan and... Keanu Reeves have been their insurance policies. They're here. If the other guys in front of them start messing up,
1: especially if, if Keanu Reeves stars as John wick, did I say Keanu Reeves? You did. And that's okay. (laughs) I've done it too, but I'm just saying if the Buccaneers can get John wick on the field, um, especially in offense, really just mowing down a couple of those. I mean, we
0: we we talked about moving Antoine win Antoine Winfield jr. All over the field. I mean, John wick would be the ultimate, you know, that's the true. ultimate money backer, which Todd Bowles has always been looking <laughs> yes. for. But uh, Ke- yeah, Keanu Neal with him being injured and Antoine Winfield Jr. didn't practice either. I thought this was a great opportunity for Logan Ryan. Surprised yeah. I didn't say Logan Hall there. For Logan Ryan to move around, we saw him play safety. We saw him play a little bit corner. He blitzed a little bit too. So I think we're going to get that Swiss Army knife from uh, from Logan Ryan. And for training camp, I'm really excited to see Mike Edwards just in a full-time starting role. This is – it's not his defense. There's a lot of great guys on this defense. But this is his moment and opportunity to prove to the coaches, to prove to teammates and fans, like, okay, you're the guy that gets the interceptions. I can do this tenfold, you know, not just the picks. You know, stopping the run, better coverage, not letting up the deep ball. I think this is a huge opportunity for Mike Edwards. He's probably up there as one of the top guys that I'm really excited to watch in
1: training camp. I agree. Speaking of the top guys up there, folks, over the weekend, uh, actually the last two weekends, we've done a Pewter Report roundtable segment, the Bucks mount Rushmore. Two weeks ago, we talked about who would be on the Bucks mount Rushmore from the current roster, right? The three obvious choices from this roster are Levante, David, Mike Evans, and Tom Brady. And then we all had a different option for number four. Mine was Tristan Wirfs. Matt, who did you have? I had Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Okay. Well, then it got a lot harder for this past Saturday because we opened up the entire Bucks roster. We did a, a Mount Rushmore Bucks edition with the all time roster. So we're going to have some fun talking about that tomorrow. And your homework assignment is to think about that. Come back tomorrow at 4 o'clock PM Eastern Time for another edition of the Peter Report podcast where we're going to be talking about are Bucks Mount Rushmore's, right? You can only pick four folks as this franchise carries on. And as the championships pile up, it's becoming harder and harder to find those four guys that would be on the mythical Bucks Mount Rushmore. But I have my four, Matt, you have yours, the Peter Report staffers, I think with a couple of, of natural overlaps. Uh, but we did have, you know, some, some, some uh, similarities and some differences. So we'll talk about that Tomorrow. On the show, plus any of the late breaking news regarding your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, folks, uh, we appreciate you joining us today, especially for roll call. Remember, we do that every Monday at four twenty. And also, be sure to subscribe to our Peter Report YouTube channel. That's Peter Report TV, and hit the like button on the videos—not just the live ones, but all the great content that Matt puts up. Uh, the interview snippets, those types of, of things. Every like we get helps our algorithm. It helps more Pewter people like you find us, which is what we want to help grow our Pewter Report TV YouTube channel. So for Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds saying thanks for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Go Bolts.